Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. You know, it doesn't matter this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Acts chapter 4, but as you're going there, it doesn't matter this morning what it is that you're facing. You know, some of you, I know that I only get to see you on Easter, so I'm just going to tell you the truth this morning. So I hope that's okay. I hope I can tell you the truth this morning. You'll be okay with that. Just smile and nod. Smile and wave, boys. It's okay. Just smile and wave. Yeah, (laughs) it'll be okay. But, you know, it doesn't matter what it is in life that you're facing. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is that you're going through. Jesus still sits and rules and reigns over all things by the word of his power. That's what the writer of Hebrews said. Paul specifically tells us and says... Why do we worry about all of these things? Why are we worried about all of, the, all of the things of this life? We can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come boldly before his throne knowing that we can receive help in the time of need. Why? He's sitting and he's ruling. He's sitting, he's ruling and reigning. Every decision, everything that's going on is not outside of his control. He's working all things today in your life for his glory. I promise. (laughs) You may be sitting back in your pew this morning thinking, how in the world is he working this for his glory? Can I offer this to you? That you see very nearsighted. We see within the, within the spectrum of time, but God sees in the, in the reality of eternity. And he's working everything in your life for his glory and for your good. That's what Romans tells us. Paul tells us in Romans that we ought not be worried about these things because he's working all things. Say all things. He's making sure you're with me this morning. All things. The, the financial situation, the addiction situation, the marriage situation, the whatever. You just fill in the gap. It doesn't matter. He's working all things. You know, I, I look... You know, many of you may not know Heather and I and our story. We're from uh, New Orleans, and we've been here now for about two years. Woohoo! It's been one of the best decisions of our life to move here. We're loving it and love to see what God's doing in Celebration Church. We love to be in Celebration and in Akron. I never would have thought I would have ever lived in Akron, Ohio. It was not even on my radar. I'd heard of it from. Well, I won't tell you where I heard of it. You probably know the TV preacher. I don't have to say the name. But that's how I knew of Akron, and that's, that was the history that I knew. Anyway, I'll stop. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm going to get myself in trouble, and I haven't even started. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we're totally, you know, the, 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 I'm talking about the glory of God this morning, so I'm going to get back on the glory. <laughs> But when we met, we were, uh, she was the drug addict, drug, not when we met, but she was. <laughs> How'd y'all meet again? <laughs> She'd been born again for a while, but, but she used to be, she used to, she was, she said, I'm sanctified. <laughs> She, she used to be the drug dealer, the, uh, you know, the whatever, and uh, I don't even remember the whole, I, you think I would know this by now, she's got the whole list, and I'm the church boy, I grew up in church, 
And, you know, isn't it just like God? You know, he has a major sense of humor. He's working all things for his glory. Let me tell you, he's working all things for his glory. And her sin wasn't any worse than my sin. Everybody should have said amen there. <laughs> I'll help you. Her sin wasn't any worse just because she was in drugs and in a whatever kind of lifestyle in the past. And I grew up in, in church and whatever my issues were. It, didn't, it was still sin. At the end of the day, it was still sin. It still stunk. It was still a stench before God. And God redeemed us both. And, and it's awesome to see how God has orchestrated. He's painting a picture. That's so what Ephesians 2.10 says. He's painting a masterpiece out of your life today. And, and I'm nowhere close to my notes, but I just felt like this morning I needed to say this for somebody. So you're special today if you needed to hear this. <laughs> you're special. Everybody, say I'm special. <laughs> you're special today. You're special. And, uh, you know, God's working. He's painting a masterpiece He's painting a masterpiece with your life. That's Ephesians 2.10. He's, he's working an artwork. Poema is the Greek word there. He's making a masterpiece out of your life. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 4, that was free. Now we'll get to the part where we charge. I'm joking. <laughs> you know, I always wonder, you know, preachers say that. That was a freebie. I've probably said that before. What does that mean? Are you going to start charging 11% on tithe so we give to your sermon too? You know? <laughs> Acts chapter 4. I am joking. I'm not charging 11%. We don't charge 10%. is <laughs> just getting on base. <laughs> we, have, we have fun in church. So if you're, if you're a guest here today, let me just tell you, we have fun at celebration. We have fun. We love to celebrate the Lord. And uh, there's, there's all types. It takes... If you get... Now I'm just going to go meddling. But, but if you get stuck in your religious little box and think the church has to look a certain way or people have to respond a certain way or all those things, it takes a diverse group to make the body. And I'm looking at a very diverse group this morning. So it takes all types. So if you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't understand why they do that or why that or this or that or the other thing, you're going to miss the whole point of why you're here. You're going to miss the whole point of why you're here. It takes a diverse group of people to build the body of Christ. And uh, we're going to get to heaven someday and we're going to look around and say, wow, this really was a diverse body, wasn't it? <laughs> you were a lot specialer than I thought you were. <laughs> Takes all types, my friends. Takes all types. Acts chapter 4. In verse 32, we're, we're continuing on, by the way, our series today. We've started a series. Today's our last day. I love my church. And today's the last of the series called I Love by Giving. And I, I don't want you to just turn off automatically thinking I'm going to start talking about your money. Because after all, isn't that what all preachers talk about anyway? Is they want everybody's money? Y'all are laughing because you've probably said that before or know somebody that has. But I'm not just talking about money today, although money and resources are a part of that, but it's more than just, giving is more than just your resources. It's your time, your talents. It's what God has given to you. I want to talk about stewardship. I want to talk about living a life of stewardship, living a life of generosity today. 
And uh, in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, I've said this about three or four times. So if you're not there yet, you'll catch up by the screens. (laughs) Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. That's powerful. They gave with great power, the apostles, the witnesses. These folks were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there any among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And they laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed each as anyone had need. Now, over here on my left, there's a, there's a trunk, and uh, I don't know, maybe some of the ladies here, or maybe some of the men too, you had hope chests growing up, or you have some sort of uh, memory box, or where, where you put memories, things that you value, and I did that, or I still do, I have a box uh, that I collect different, you know, people send me letters, testimonies, uh, things that have happened, or, you know, different wedding Uh, different weddings that I've performed. I put the, you know, I'll put the pictures or the, you know, I just have a memory box. Well, why do we do that? It's because we value the things that we're putting in the box. We value uh, what we're putting in. And likewise, I'm hoping that today that we'll value the the, the work that God's doing in our church, and that box is going to be full in a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But have you ever watched the Antiques Roadshow before? And have you ever, maybe, maybe it's just me, but you've been sitting there and you watch the roadshow and you're thinking, that does not look like it's worth the amount of money that they're saying it's worth. That looks like it needs to go out in the trash can. That doesn't look like it's worth anything. But it's valuable. These folks find value in the possessions that they have. Maybe it's an heirloom or something that's been passed down through generations, and they bring it to the antique roadshow, and they appraise it and tell how much money it's worth. And our, our value as believers is placed on our church. It's placed on the body of Christ. It's placed on God. And so we celebrate today, and we love, as we go back four or five weeks when we started this series, we love our Church, we, oh, that was weak, okay. <laughs> we love our church, that's right. And uh, we, we all have, hopefully, you bought your shirt. You have a shirt that even proves it. You got the shirt and the yard sign and all that too. So, right, you love our church. And so we love, we value what God is doing in our local church. The early, test, the early church, the New Testament believers valued, they loved their church. So much so that they spent time together. Every day they were together. Every day they were going from house to house. Every day they were in the temple meeting. Every day they were, they were bringing their offerings to the temple. They were bringing their, their possessions and sharing together what God had given to them. They valued it. Now, I, there's a phrase here in this scripture that I love. It says, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Well, today's Easter. What a great day to take a look at this passage. We give witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's valuable to us. We value the resurrection. It was valuable to them. Christ was enough for them. They didn't need their possessions. They didn't need the the trappings and things that we get caught up in this world. They valued Christ. They had tasted of the reality of Christ. Today, have you tasted of the goodness of God for yourself? Is Christ enough for you? Is Christ enough for you? And that's what they they were giving witness of, witnesses of 
of the resurrection, the power of God that was displayed, the testimony of Jesus. How were they doing this? They were doing this through signs and wonders. You know, I believe in the power of God that it is still real for you and I today. The power and the presence of God is still real. It's still effective for you and I today. We've seen people healed. We've seen people set free, delivered. I believe that in the presence of God and even the atmosphere today, that God can heal your body. God can heal your mind. God can heal your emotions. Why? Because his power is not diminished. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that resurrected him up out of that tomb is the same power present in this room today. It's the same power, same resurrection life that the Holy Spirit will quicken in you and I. And so I believe in signs and wonders. I believe in the testimony of Jesus through signs and wonders. I believe that God confirms the word of his truth through signs and wonders. And then they continue to do this by sharing. There's two things here that it talks about, signs and wonders, and that they shared all things. They, they sold their possessions and they had community together. Now, I'm not saying that uh, today you need to go home and sell your house and we're all going to move into the fellowship hall, live in the fellowship hall together. I don't want to live with some of you in the fellowship hall. I, I love you. I love you. But I'll camp out in my office. <laughs> and and some of, some of the, the husbands or wives are saying, I barely want to sleep next to you. I don't, I don't want to move in the fellowship hall. <laughs> I saw those reactions. You know, and so that's, they were living in communal living. They were selling things. And again, I'm not saying that we need to do that. And culture has changed a little bit. And of course, they didn't have uh, electric bills to pay. They didn't have the heat bills to pay and yards to mow and buildings to upkeep. But the, the principle here is still the same, that we share in community together and we do that by sharing our possessions, we share in our, in our wealth, we share in what we give to one another. And that, that is New Testament living where we begin to share. And, and I'm not asking, like I said, I'm not asking you to go home and sell your house, but I'm asking you today as your pastor on the authority of God's word that we would know each other well enough, that we would love each other enough, that we would recognize a need when we see it. That when we're, when we're doing life together as a community, when we're doing not just church, when we're not just doing church and coming to service, but when we're doing life together, when we're doing life together, that we see a need and we reach out, we give to one another. That's not just in finances, maybe you're going through a difficult day or someone near you is going through a difficult season and you happen to notice, hey, something's off with them. Maybe I should ask them. Maybe I should reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I've, I've noticed as things just seem different in your, in your life. It seems like you're going through a different season right now. Can I pray for you? Or maybe God will give you a scripture for them to encourage them. You know, the other day, just simple, I was on Facebook and ugh, Lord help us with Facebook. It's the judgment of God. But, but I'm on Facebook, and I see one of, one of my friends from years ago, I'm talking probably 15 years ago, and they posted something about a difficult season. And right when they said that, I, the Holy Spirit just quickened in me Isaiah 45 for them. And so I just responded back and said, Isaiah, I didn't preach on Facebook. I didn't go into some, you know, let's create 
drama on Facebook thing, but I just, I just shared the scripture and it was what they needed to hear. They responded back later. It was what they needed to hear. It was just a word of encouragement via social media. And so who knows what God will use in your life, but as you're aware of people that you're doing life with and community with, you'll begin to share when you recognize a need. God gave generously to us. We are to give generously to one another. We ought to live a generous lifestyle, generous in how we love one another, generous in our practical, meeting tangible needs. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we know the passage, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave generously to you and I. He gave up his son Jesus stepped out of, uh, out of eternity and came and became a man, stepped into creation, stepped out of, the, out of the picture frame, so to speak, and stepped into reality for you and I. And he, in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things are accessible through Christ. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God's intention is for you and I to live a generous lifestyle. That's in every aspect of our life. So how do we do that? How do we live a generous lifestyle? Well, I'm glad you asked. First thing we need to do is we need to release our grip. <laughs> Release your grip. Verse 32 says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was anyone who lacked. Neither did anyone lack or possess anything of his own. They, they released their grip. They weren't saying, Mine, mine. I have, a, I have a video clip. I don't have the time to show it or I would show it. But, but maybe you'll remember the clip, the scene from Finding Nemo with the seagulls. And the seagulls are all flying, chasing after Nemo's dad. Mine, 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 mine. They're all, mine, 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 mine. There's mine, mine, mine. Or, or maybe, maybe your, your phrase isn't, mine, 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 mine. Maybe your phrase is, it's all about me. It's all about, you're just like a robot stuck. It's all about me. It's all about me. Everywhere you go, it's all about me. It's all about, I'm wonderful. Look at me. It's all about me. Don't you know what a blessing it is to have me in your presence? It's all about me. No, that's not the life that we're to live. We're to release our grip on, on our possessions, release our grip on, on things that we hold close to us and begin to value the body of Christ enough that we begin to give. We become good stewards of God's supply. In Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I find the reason that we often don't live a generous lifestyle and the reason that we hold on so tightly is because of fear. We don't, want to, we don't want to step outside of our comfort zone and find the person that's hurting or broken and love on them because of fear. We, don't, we want to you know, change up our schedule to be in the house of God when there's special meetings or whatever's going on because of fear. Well, I have this and this and this. What will people think? Or I got to do this? Or what happens if I don't get there or do that? Fear. We're motivated oftentimes and live and are incapacitated by a four-letter word called fear. It's not really four letters. Or, I guess it is. Fear. <laughs> I, have, I have a four-letter word that I always say yield, but yield is five letters. So anyway, those that are around know my little joke there. But 
anyway. So we have to release our grip. Luke chapter 12 and verse 32 through 34. Jesus said, do not fear, little flock. Do not fear, little flock. That's, that's quite the phrase. You know, we, we come in sometimes to the presence of the Lord and look at me. You know, and we have, our, we have a little bit of a spiritual pride. And Jesus calls us his little flock. We're tender little sheep that he's nurturing and caring for. We are his little flock. We had that, that, those sheep out yesterday for the petting zoo, which, by the way, great job to all of those who served yesterday at our Easter egg hunt. We had incredible time, so great job. Over 500 uh, folks were here. I mean, this, it was packed. We had a great time. It was much more manageable than last year's 1,500 people. <laughs> but we still, we had a great time. So thank you. But Jesus says to us, we're his little flock. And it goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say here, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide, for your, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus addresses our fear of being generous here. He says to us that we don't have to be afraid of the consequences of giving. We don't have to be afraid of the consequences of giving financially. We don't have to be afraid of the consequences on loving, on the hurting, and the broken. Why? Because it's the Father's good pleasure. It's God's good pleasure to take care of you. It's his delight to make sure that you are taken care of. It's his delight to make sure that I am taken care of. So as we give, we release the hold on our finances or on our talents or our resources or our schedule. We release the hold on those things. And what happens? God's able to bless us. He's able to pour more back in. With the measure that you give, it will be given back to you. He also says here that we don't have to fear about our necessities being met. Sometimes we hesitate in giving because we're afraid of people rejecting us. If we begin to love on someone around us that's broken, we're afraid of the rejection. Sometimes we don't give financially because we're afraid that our, our bills aren't going to be paid or whatever the case is. But Jesus says very clearly that God knows, verse 29, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Have you ever found yourself worried about, about your home or your clothes or your bills? or uh, Everybody in this room probably should raise their hand. We've all been there. We've all been in a place where we've said, God, I, I don't know. I mean, I know you said tithe and trust and give, but I have this and this and it doesn't add up. Can I tell you that God's math is not our math? There, there have been times that I've gotten through the end of the year or I've gotten through the end of the month and I'm scratching my head saying, uh, that didn't add up. <laughs> what, what I thought was supposed to happen here, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me in the natural mind. But God orchestrates every detail of our life. And he says that God is a good shepherd. He's a loving father. So we can trust him. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful because it's God's good pleasure. How else are we live a generous lifestyle? Number two, we need to tighten our belts. Now, that might be hard for some of us. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about physically tighten your belt, although that might be a good thing. <laughs> what I'm talking about is making room for a generous lifestyle. Make room in your life to be generous. Make room to, to find, you know, if your schedule, let me give you an example like this. If, you're, if, 
If your schedule is full and you look at your, your schedule and it is absolutely packed full and you're constantly running from one place to the next, tighten your belt, tighten your schedule, get a rein on your schedule and set aside time in your schedule to devote to the house of God. Set, a time, set aside time in your schedule to minister to people. You know, every month we do Night of Hope. It happens basically the same night every month, the fourth Wednesday, unless there's a holiday. It happens the fourth Wednesday of every month. Make it a priority. Tighten your belt. Make it a priority to be at Night of Hope and love on people. Make it a priority to be at at services and be a part of what God is doing in the house of God. Make it a point in your budget. Tighten your budget. Instead of living extravagantly, plan to live generously. And then maybe at your home. You know, maybe there's things that within your home that you can tighten your, tighten your belt on around your house and begin to live, I use the phrase, live in the margin. You know, if you read a book, if you go through the, a book and on the, on the writing of the page, there's a lot of text in the middle and then around the edge, there's a margin. And a lot of us try to live our lives in the extravagance. We try to live in the full writing of the context of the page. Instead, ask God how you can begin to transition and live in the margin so that you can live generously and not extravagantly. God will take care, and I promise that if you'll take care of being generous and allow God to move in your life through generosity, he'll take care of the extravagance. You just begin to trust the Lord. You begin to walk with him. Acts chapter 4, verse 34 and 35, it says, Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed as anyone had need. Now, I wonder how long it took for somebody to actually say, I'm going to start holding on to what was sold. I, I, don't, I don't know that I want to give all that away. Of course, we know the story. It didn't take very long. <laughs> it didn't take very long for Ananias and Sapphira to show up on the scene. And not only did they not tighten their belt and give generously, but they lied about it. Anybody remember what happened to them? They got struck dead because they lied to God. Begin to look for the opportunities in your life to be generous with someone else. Not just financially, and, and you know, a lot of times we interpret this financially, but I'm not just talking financially. Be generous with your love to one another. Be generous to reach out to the hurting and the broken. Be generous to, to minister to those that you work with or go to school with. And be sensitive to the people that are around you. God will place opportunities in your life, I absolutely promise. If you'll decide to be generous and to give your life away, if you live your life to give it away, God will put people in your life who you can minister to. Recently, I had someone in my office who's in this room, so I won't name them. (laughs) But recently, I had someone in my office, and I asked them how they were doing. And uh, the standard, I've asked this question before of the same person, and the standard response that I get from them is, I'm fine, or everything's wonderful, peachy, whatever. They have a standard response, but it's, I'm fine. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm listening, and you have to understand, because I have people come in my office every day and say, I'm fine, I'm doing great. The reality is they're in my office for a reason, but, but, uh, but most of the time, people, when you go up to someone and say, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great, doing well, brother, doing great. 
And behind that facade is hurt and brokenness and things that are going on that need to be dealt with. And so I'm sitting in my office, and by the way, let me pause there. You'll find that all of us are probably facing something or dealing with something. Not a, there's none of us that are exclusive from pain. There's none of us that are exclusive from, from hurt or issues in life. So if anyone ever says to you, I'm fine. Oh, really? Be, be generous with your time with that person. Be generous with your love for that person. Take the time to really find out what's going on. Anyway, this person was in my office. They gave me their response. And I'm sitting there and they're talking and I'm hearing what they're saying. But all of a sudden, it was like my spirit man became alive to the situation. I realized what they were saying to my ears, but my spiritual ears perked up. My spiritual antennas perked up and I thought, there's more to this story. Something's, something's not right here. You could tell me you're fine all day long, but, but something's not right. Something's not. Have you ever been in that situation before? Someone's talking to you, and you hear what they're saying, but you're like, yeah, something's amiss. And uh, so, so I just stopped and at some point, and I said, are you really fine? Are you really okay? Well, yeah, but no. I mean, I got work. This is going on at work, and this is going on at home, and this, and it just opened up a can of worms. And we spent the next hour talking and realized at the end of the conversation, this person had a, had a huge revelation that they had never learned how to be loved by someone else, but more importantly, never learned how to be loved by God. And so they were always trying to earn God's love. They were always doing the right works, always doing the right things, but there was an effort to get to God. It was an effort to earn God's love and God's freely pouring out his love. There's nothing to earn. We just have to learn to receive. We have to strive to receive and not strive to work for it. And so it was powerful to watch that transpire. So I will say to you, be generous in your time with people. Be generous on loving with one another. And then thirdly, how do we live a generous lifestyle? We have to be willing to give it all away. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, it says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. This wasn't a service project. It wasn't a missions program. It wasn't an effort to build the church, church growth, international, whatever. You know, it wasn't any of that. It was love one another. The point was we are here to love one another. What was Jesus' famous words? They'll know you not because of your money or your car or your house or any of those things. They'll know you because you have what? love for one another. And what a, what a powerful statement. I mean, it says that they were in such unity. They were unity of soul. These, we know that there was at least 5,000 of them based on the numbers that scripture gives. There was at least 5,000 believers here and they were of one heart and one mind. That was the description that Luke gave. That's a miracle. I mean, just look in the context of your marriage with two people, how hard it is to be on the same page. But then we're talking 5,000 plus operating in such unity that there was a great display of signs and wonders and that they were sharing all that they had. Talk about an incredible demonstration of the love of God for one another. Isn't that what we've been taking a look at the past three or four weeks? As I love my church. That's the degree of love that we ought to have for one another. That's the degree of community that we ought to share with one another is that God has brought us into this place where we're affected by his grace so much 
that we're willing to share our entire life with one another. We're willing to love on one another. The effect of the grace of God here, it talks about his grace. They were in unity. They shared all things. They gave generously to one another. They operated in great power. There was trust for their spiritual authority. All of these things were taking place as a result of what God was doing in their midst. So I say, Lord, let it happen here in our midst, in our church, in our community. Lord, that we would be so affected by the testimony of Jesus, that we would be so affected by the resurrection of Christ, that we would be so impacted by the resurrection power of God in our church, that there would be such an atmosphere of this power that we would live in unity, an amazing God-defined unity, not something that man can define, God-defined unity, and we begin to share all things together. You know, maybe you're here this morning and we're talking about giving. One of the great, you know, this is the great, one of the greatest Sundays of the year, in my opinion. I love Easter Sunday. I love Easter Sunday. I love celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But we might be here this morning, and we're talking about God so giving, God so loving, that he gave. And we're talking about the abundance of God being dispersed in our lives. But there might be a reality check for you real quick in this message, and that is God's freely giving, but have you received? God's freely giving. You know, what would happen if, I think I asked this question last week, but, but what would happen if your kids came down for Christmas morning, you had all the gifts nicely wrapped, ready with their names and all labeled, all ready to go. The kids wake up early, get you up early. And you want to tell them to go back to bed, but it's Christmas morning, so you're going to get up with a smile and do your, you know, we, we do matching pajamas and we have our southern style matching pajamas and do our thing and Lord help us. So... <laughs> They're cute. <laughs> now she's cute. The princess is always cute. But, but what would happen if, if, she, if she came in the room, if Zoe walked in the room and she looked all dressed up as cute as she is, she looked at those gifts and, hmm, I'll go back to bed. I would be absolutely crushed. I would be devastated, not because, not because she was rejecting me. I mean, I'm looking at her saying, it's a, it's a two-year-old. But I'm crushed because I worked hard to give her all of those gifts. I, I spent my money. I spent my time. I spent my energy. I wrapped them. That's a big deal. I wrapped them. <laughs> I mean, I went, and she rejected the gift that I had so freely given to her. And how many times do we do that with God? He's, he, has, he has laid out before you and I a table full, a feast that you and I could never even begin to finish. There is so much in God, so, many, so much food, so much lavish gifts that he's laid before us that we couldn't even begin in this life to even come close to finishing what he's laid before us. 
And sometimes we just push away from the table and say, well, it looks good, it smells good, but I really don't want that. And so maybe you're here today, and maybe that's how you've lived your life, is that God has been pursuing you. He's been pursuing you with his love. He's been pursuing you with his grace. I'm telling you, he's relentless. He is absolutely relentless. You can push away from the table, but he's relentless. He's going to keep pursuing you. He's going to keep hounding you. And today, it's not by accident that you're here. It's the grace of God in your life. He's been pursuing you from before you were ever thought of. Jeremiah said, you knew me. You knew me in my mother's womb. He knew you before you were ever conceived. And he loved you. He loved you and his love has been pursuing you from the beginning of all things, eternity past, he's been pursuing you. You've been a thought in the mind of God and he thought about you and thought about how he loved his son and how he's loved you and he's pursuing you today. It hasn't stopped. And so today you have a reality to ask yourself, have I been pushing away from the table of the Lord? Have I been pushing away from the gifts that he's so lavishly prepared? Have, he's been generous to me. He's been so generous to me, and yet I've been pushing away. I've been, I've been trying to back away. I'm back, backing out of that. Or are you going to finally give up? Are you going to finally yield and say, Lord, I give up. <laughs> I yield. You don't have to be perfect today, I promise. <laughs> Just look around. You don't have to be perfect. <laughs> you don't have to be perfect. You just come in and say, Lord, I yield. I'm yielding to your plan for my life. I'm yielding to your grace. I'm going to stop running, and, and I may not get it right. I may make a few stumbles along the way, but I'm yielding nonetheless. That's exactly what God wants for you. You know, we get asked a lot, and, and I don't, I'm not quite sure why I'm going into this specific, but, but I feel that it's for someone today. We get asked a lot from Christians, you know, well, I'm struggling with this area of my life, you know, and it can be everything from just a bad temper to pornography to addictions to whatever, you know, we, we get a whole, the whole range. And, um, people ask us, well, how do I get free from that? What do I need to do? You know, I, I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling. What do I do? It's the same thing. Yield. Yield to God. Stop striving in your own strength. Stop trying to do it. Stop trying to fix yourself. If you would have fixed yourself, you would have done done it. It's hopeless. Just yield. Get into the presence of God. That doesn't mean that, that we don't read our word or worship. That's exactly what you're doing. But you stop striving to fix it. Just get into the presence of God and let him change you. I promise you, his love, the same love that redeems you is the same love that transforms you. I promise. So just get in. Let him change you. Let him change you. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your love, your grace that's pursuing us. <laughs> I'm so thankful for your grace, Jesus. I'm such a goober without you. <laughs> I'm so thankful for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for changing me, for saving me. Lord, I pray for any of my friends that are here today. Lord, that you've been laying before them this wonderful gift of salvation. You've been laying before them this wonderful gift 
of grace and mercy, and they've been pushing away from it. Lord, if there's any of my friends that are here today, Lord, or family that's here, God, that's, that maybe they find themselves in that place, Lord, that they'll stop today. They'll just stop pushing away and say, Lord, I need you. I need your gifts. I need your generosity in my life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do what only you can do in this moment, that you would help people realize where they're at. My wise words or talking is not going to do it. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak today, right now in this moment, that you begin to tug on, on people's hearts, that the reality of the gospel would begin to sink in this morning. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.